welcome to Life Lessons with Dr. Steve Schell. For 20 years, Dr. Steve's 30-minute radio program, Life Lessons, was heard throughout the United States. Committed to comprehensively teaching through entire books of the Bible, Pastor Steve pulls out the deep, eternal truths in each section of Scripture without skipping over the challenging passages. He applies what is learned clearly and practically so that we're inspired not to just be hearers of the Word, but doers also. We're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to talk today about when we gather. We are still, in my mind, in a series in the Holy Spirit. Uh, but now we're taking a section of Scripture, which is just right at the heart of the issue of what happens when the church gathers. Paul is talking to Corinth. Uh, their church had troubles. We've looked at some of that. And he's correcting it. But through that, we can learn a great deal about how church should function. What did Paul, the apostle, feel uh, the, the, the New Testament church should be doing when they gather? And so we're going through that. I started last week at uh, verses 1 through 3. Uh, we are now testing prophecy. Today we're going to look at verses 4 through 11, where Paul describes what is usually called the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, I've got, uh, as I get into the Greek, as I get into the language, I came up with some different things that I've ever seen before. I'm not trying to be cute. I'm not trying to be novel. I'll just explain to you what I've seen. It's really quite beautiful. Lord Jesus, would you open our ears and eyes? We want to see you. We want to see your uh, church. We want to understand our calling. Lord, we, we want our hearts uh, on fire. We want to love you. We want to be glad we're alive. We want to be full of the Holy Spirit. So would you open the word to us? It's from you we get life. I pray, Lord, for the grace to let you speak and to hear you. I need you as much as anyone in the room. Just come now and minister life to us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'll, I'll start at uh, verse 4, chapter uh, 12 of 1 Corinthians. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Uh, just, just let your eye look at those verses for a minute. Uh, you see the, would you say the word gifts? Yes. Now, I'll explain to you what I think that is. Well, not what I know that is in a minute. Uh, then ministries, you say ministries? ministries, and then effects. Yeah, that's the way they translated it. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you again uh, what I believe that means. Notice that the spirit gives gifts. The Lord gives ministries. Who's the Lord? Jesus is the Lord of his church. So he just he distributes ministries. The spirit distributes gifts and God. Who's God? The Father, that's absolutely what he's talking about. God the Father, in this case, affects is the way they've translated it. And I'll, I'll explain more uh, later on. Then I'll go on. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Did you say manifestation of the Spirit? For the common good. For to one is given, given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. 
to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by this one spirit, to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Would you say distributing to each one individually just as he wills? Distributing to each one individually just as he wills. All right, let's have a, a look now. The Holy Spirit was not only sent by Jesus to dwell within individual believers. He was also given to the church to dwell among us. When we gather together to worship and hear God's word, the Holy Spirit is there with us as surely as the Lord Jesus promised to be with us. Now, I give you a, a, a reference there, Matthew 18, 20. Anybody know what I've re referenced? When two or more are gathered together in my name, what does he say? There am I in the midst of them. In these chapters of 1 Corinthians 11 through 14, I didn't pick up 11 uh, because I went right to the things on the spirit. But uh, chapter 11 is also about the life of the church. Paul is not talking about individual believers or the universal church, which is made up of every believer everywhere. He's talking about what happens when groups of believers gather in homes or on a riverbank or under the shade of a large tree. There were no church buildings in those days. Those who loved Jesus came together as a local expression of the family of God. And something special happened when they did. Jesus assured us that it would when he said this, for where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. Would you read that out loud with me? For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. He's talking, pardon me, he's telling us that a group doesn't have to be large to be considered a church. But it does have to be more than one. Let that sink in. Something happens when it's more than one who've gathered to worship, gathered together. It does have to be more than one. Yes, he, is he with one? Of course he's with one. But something changes. Something happens when that church gathers. He comes not only in us, he comes among us. Say among us. Among us. Now, it's our birthright. This, this power of the Holy Spirit, you and I have to see this and understand this. You and I are not just people of a doctrine. We believe a doctrine. It's a true doctrine. Hallelujah. It's the truth. We believe it. We are not, we are not people who are committed to a philosophy of life. We are, we, 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 I mean, we are, we, we are people who committed to that, but we have something else. We are people of a presence. God is with us. We don't just believe truth. We have a person who has come among us. When I, when I was, uh, met the Lord, I did not meet the Lord because somebody was really eloquent or talked me into it or convinced me that somebody made the universe. Those things aren't wrong. That isn't how I got it. I just got dragged along into a prayer meeting. This was in 1961. There was a 1961. I was. It was in 1961. It was the early charismatic meeting. This is a bunch of Episcopalians. And they're, they're gathered, maybe 
10 or 15 of them, 15 at the most, it had to be more like 10, just gathered in a living room. And I got dragged and sat in the chair in the back. And I'm there putting in my time. What got me wasn't what they said. It wasn't doctrine. What got me was the power of God hit me. I met the presence. You and I have to understand this. That's, that's really what changes the equation. You, you can be eloquent. You can be, you can be true. But there must also be, is he here? Does God show up? I had one person tell me, I have to come to your church. God's there. Well, I thought, yes, hallelujah. That's a good, <laughs> that's the right reason. You know, if they, if they said the opposite, I'm going to leave. He's not there. I'm not happy. Everything we do, every form of ministry we do, you and I must become conscious of this truth. Is the Lord's presence with me? You are you, and that's fine, but you don't have much to give. But when the presence is on you, when the Lord's presence is with you, now you can do all things that he asks you to do. You understand? Same is true of me. Some people think, oh boy, you know, catch, catch me in the grocery store on a Monday morning. See, see how powerful I am. <laughs> how helpful I am. Well, I mean, if I've had a good Monday morning in prayer, I might be of some value. Uh, but the point is, when, when, when I or you have that presence and I'm conscious of him and the anointing of the Lord is with us, oh, that's wonderful. Now something's going to happen. But when you have just me, I don't even like me. I, I really don't. I mean, you know. He's telling us that a group doesn't have to be large to be considered a church, but it does have to be more than one. Something happens when the church gathers. You and I have been called by God, not only to himself, but also to each other. He never intended for us to live out our spiritual lives alone. I really believe that a great deal of the suffering, the great deal of the, of, of the lack of, of discipleship and growth and development, the great deal of the lack of just emotional and personal healing or of maturity is because so much of our Christian life is lived alone. It was not designed that. It isn't you believe this stuff and then you'll go to heaven. We have been called into a family. We've been called as sons and daughters of a father. He wants us to live together, work together. You say, well, these people, I don't, I don't like them. <laughs> They're not too wild about you either, you know. <laughs> well, let me tell you my story a second. I, I came to the Lord the way I told you. And my mom did too the same day. I mean, she walked into the same power, got her too. And uh, that changed the whole tenor and course of our lives. I mean, that was a huge moment uh, in our family. It just basically was a, like a 90 degree turn. Um, but my mom was not a great one for wanting to get committed or stuck into anything. So we would visit places, we'd visit churches, we'd, wherever the action was, wherever was cool it was speaking someplace or something like that, we just, we, were, we went. It's not like we didn't go somewhere, but we didn't go anywhere twice, you know, at least not in a row. Uh, and I, she liked it that way, and I, I did too. <laughs> you know, there's, it's kind of clean. You can kind of come in going, how is this, you know, and then you, then you, then you leave and, and uh, you can talk about it. Uh, 
one day I was saying to the Lord, uh, kind of laughingly, uh, and I'd, I'd said it before. I said, Lord, I, I love you, but I don't like your people. And, uh, you know, just kind of this critical, judgmental thing. And, and uh, he'd had it. And he'd, he, uh, not many times in my life has he really harshly dealt with me. There's been a few. But this was one. And I, I, I said, Lord, I, I, I love you, but I don't, I don't like your people. And boy, it went cold. And, and he, he said to me, well, I do. And he said, I, I don't think that's funny at all. And I don't want to hear you say it again. And then he said this, I love my people. And I thought to myself, because I mean, I really was in this. I thought to myself, what's the matter with you? I, I, don't you see what a mess we are? <laughs> and he was saying to me, and I got it. I love them just the way they are. I'm working on growing them, but they're mine. Do you understand? With their weaknesses, with their problems, with their issues, they are mine and I love them. And don't you dare look down on them. Now that corrected me. And I actually, that was a shift in my thinking right then. And I've spent my life now in the church. And yes, we've got our issues and we've got weaknesses. And I, you know, if, if you, you, you say, I can't open up, I was hurt in a church. Well, stick around, we'll hurt you too. <laughs> We're people. That really isn't the issue. There is an issue about is the place integrous? Is there an honesty and an openness and a willingness to confess and repent if that happens? But we are people and we have good days and we have bad days and we have our, our weaknesses and our strengths. That's just nature of life. But, but God actually wants us put together into community so that we have to learn to live with each other. We have to learn to forgive. We have to learn to be patient. We have to learn to be kind. We have to see the value of people who are not like us. And love them and value them and be willing to work arm in arm with them. This is critical to the mission of the church of Jesus Christ. Those who keep themselves aloof, those who stay, uh, you know, I just visit places. I'm part of the church universal. We ought to buy, a, you know, a, a decoder ring and a, and, a, and, a, and a hat or something for that. Church universal. What is the church universal? I mean, I know what it is. It's all the souls in heaven and on earth forever and ever. Hallelujah. And I'm part of that and so are you. But that's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about the local gathering of people like us. On a riverbank or under a tree or stuffed into a little house. I've been in homes with 100 people in just a little three-bedroom home. Let me tell you, I mean, the bathtub has got people sitting on it. Somebody gets the seat of honor always in the bathroom. <laughs> they do. There's always the joke, you know, who gets the seat, um, etc. When you're just hollering down the hall, can you hear us down there? Yes. That's what, that's, that was church. And boy, did Corinth have its issues. Corinth is full of sexual stuff. Full of sexual disease, by the way. I mean, I won't go into how I know that, but they do, did. Uh, they were, they had, there was a transit center across the isthmus there in Greece. Uh, so you've got all that Navy town kind of thing. Uh, it was a wild place and wild people. And they were cruel to Paul. It's a mess. What amazes me is his patience. 
As I read this, he's, he's, he doesn't tear them apart. I mean, they, this is a group that has disrespected communion. It, it doesn't want, it's a group that doesn't want the, uh, the poor. And they keep, they don't, literally, they will come to church. I'm not making this up. It's in chapter 11. They, they will come to church and they'll eat, the rich will eat their own bread and get drunk on the wine they brought for communion. And leave the hungry with nothing. They're hungry brothers and sisters. It's just amazing. And yet they are the church of Jesus Christ. And Paul does not tear them to pieces. He patiently, as an apostle, writes to them and calls them to something higher. He's doing the same with all of us, isn't he? Hallelujah. If you were to describe the problems of the Corinthian church in two words, you would probably come up with these two. Pride and selfishness. They didn't think they needed each other. At least they didn't need those who were poor or different. And their focus when they did get together was entirely on themselves. So it was to people with destructive attitudes like that, Paul patiently wrote what we're reading today. Carefully, step by step, we'll hear him explain how God values and cares for each one of us. No one is overlooked. Each one receives exactly what he or she needs Paul's goal was to change the way the believers in Corinth thought about gathering together. He wanted them to treasure those gatherings to see how important they were. And he wanted them to treasure each other as well. Not only looking past their differences, but seeing those differences as a beautiful part of God's plan. Would you say graces, ministries, and changed hearts? Paul begins by showing us how the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all involved in the care of the church. Using a word that describes something being divided into portions, and then those portions being deliberately given to certain people, he describes what the Holy Spirit does, and what the Lord Jesus does, and what the Father does. You recall that? We looked at it. The word, which is translated as varieties or differences, I don't know how your version will translate it. The word actually means, and I'm not stretching this or being cute with it, it's dia is a preposition stuck on the front of it, and bear with me, and hieresis is, means to choose. So it's to choose something, it's to choose, uh, and, and then the word here is to divide in half or cut asunder, that kind of thing. So it's to choose something and take portions of it. So the real best translation is like distribute. So here's the picture. It says that when we gather, the Holy Spirit comes and he takes from his fullness, from his presence, and he divides out portions and he gives to each one a portion just as they need. So he comes to you and he gives you what you need. And he comes to you and he gives you what you need. And he gives you what you need. Out of this fullness, the Holy Spirit distributes of his grace to each one exactly what that person needs. So when, you, when we come, when his power comes, how important is his presence? It's vital to us. And notice it's each one. He doesn't, he doesn't give certain, just some the, you know, and not others. Paul will teach us today... 
every one of us, when we come into the presence, he is working on our hearts, giving us something important. Starting with the Spirit, he says, when the church gathers, the Holy Spirit distributes a grace to each person. Now, it's translated gift, but the word isn't that. There's words in Greek for gift, and that ain't it. The word in verse 4 that is so often translated as gift actually means a grace. Because it is a gift that is completely undeserved. Who knows what the gift is? You, you kind of recognize the word when I say it. It's a common charismata. Charismatic? Charisma. The, the word charis is grace. It isn't gift. It means an undeserved favor, a kindness that is unearned. And so it's been turned into a, a noun in the sense that this grace is so real, it becomes tangible. But it's based, so God, the Holy Spirit, gives to us graces. Graces. We don't deserve them. He's just, out of his grace, gives us, he gives you a grace and you a grace and you a grace. He, he gives us what we what we need based on grace. In other words, the Spirit chooses to distribute a particular blessing to someone, not because that person deserves to be helped, but because he or she is loved by God. Next, Paul tells us that Jesus, as the head of his church, distributes different ministries to different people. Under his guidance, we all serve him in different ways, but since he is the one who's leading us, the result is not chaos or individualism, but a harmonious and coordinated community through which his full ministry is released. It's as though Jesus himself walks among us and cares for us as freely as he cared for his disciples before he ascended into heaven. When, when, when the church begins to work together in harmony, we begin to see Jesus, not just anointed individuals, but we begin to see this multifaceted, multi-gifted, you know, all of this depth because the church begins to function as the church. It's, it's, and he can walk again through that community. Uh, he is, I don't know where I left off. Our Heavenly Father, I'm gonna, well, and finally, let's pick up there. Um, Paul tells us that our Heavenly Father is guiding this entire process toward a particular goal. And that goal is that each person's heart will be changed to become more and more like his son. The one who searches our hearts and knows exactly what each of us needs works powerfully inside us to transform our attitudes and develop our character. Forgive me for keep doing this to you with the Greek, but bear with me. The thing that's translated as effects, what's an effect, you know? Uh, it's, it's just, they're punting. They don't, they're, they're not sure either. And the, the word, now, now hang on. You're going to, energemata. Ergo is the word in Greek for work. It's a common word. But this, this word has the word en on the front. Did you hear en, ergemata, ergo? It means inside. It's really the word means working inside something. And so it says the Father, God the Father in all of this is overseeing the whole process to come and work inside us. What is he doing? What's the Father's goal? To conform us into the image of his beloved Son. So through the Spirit's distributing graces, 
meeting each need. I'll show you what that means more in a minute. The, the Lord Jesus is guiding his church into various ministries, calling each one to serve him in a particular way. He's coordinating this. The great Lord of the church is leading us. But the Father is working in us to conform us into the image of his beloved son. To you, he's giving faith today. To you, he's working hope in your heart. Ah, to you, he's working repentance, sorry. To you, he's, to you, he's giving patience and kindness and strength where you've grown weary and dry. Isn't that beautiful? He's working in us, in our hearts, forming those, our attitudes and our character. Each one, verse, this is from verse 7. Later on in this chapter, Paul will discuss the ministries that Jesus assigns to each of us. But at this verse, he begins to describe how the Holy Spirit ministers to us when we gather. Would you, would you read this out loud with me? And to each one is given the revelation of the Holy Spirit in order to assist that person to carry the load that they are bearing. That's a paraphrase. The way one particular word in this verse is translated affects the meaning of the entire passage. Its literal meaning is to carry with. Now, I'm sorry to do this, but this, I have no other way than to explain to you the language to show you what this passage means. Sumfero is the word. Its literal meaning is to carry with. You'll, you'll recognize it. Pharaoh, we get the word ferry from it or, or fair. I mean, the whole idea of carrying something. You, you ferry something across the river. You carry it across the river. That's the word. And then again, on the front of it's this preposition, which means together. So the idea is you're carrying a heavy load. And the Holy Spirit comes along and says, here, let me help you carry that. And he helps you and together he carries it with you. Paul is saying he gives his graces so that he might carry with you the weight on your shoulders. Who has a weight on your shoulders today? Who's bearing something? The Spirit has come. The Spirit is with us right now. Right now. And he's here and he has a grace for you. He knows exactly what you need. That, you might, that he might help you lift that load and carry it with you is what Paul has taught us. Its literal meaning is to carry with, but it's traditionally been translated as the common good or to profit with all. That's the King James. At its basic level, the word pictures someone coming up to someone else who's carrying a heavy load and say, here, let me help you carry that. So the word is better translated as help or assistance and is elsewhere. And if we accept that translation, what Paul is saying is this. When you gather as a church, the Holy Spirit has a grace for each one of you, designed specifically to meet your need. He knows the weight that's on you, and he will give you the help you need at that moment. When I was a youth minister, um, I started in January of 1972, and uh, I started at a, at a Presbyterian church. I was going to seminary. They told me I had to have field experience. And so I, I believed them and went out. And, and then the Lord opened this and put me in this little church with two kids. Uh, and it was old. It was an old church. Uh, but uh, we had two kids and neither of them saved. And I'm the youth minister. 
And so my first job was to preach the gospel, and one of them got saved, the other left. <laughs> That's pretty much the story, isn't it, right there? Um, but in time, it, it grew, and I got those saved kids baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so all of a sudden, I'm looking at maybe, maybe 15 um, young men and women, and they're all baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I'd grown up in that house church, like I said, and I, I didn't really know how to run church. I'd never been in a traditional church, I mean, other than visit, you know. Uh, but I, I uh, so I, we sat there, and I said, okay, everybody, now the Lord just going to give, give various gifts. I want you to just, you, you just we're going to worship, and then when the Lord's presence comes, I want you to just share what you got. So I, we all worshiped, and the Lord came, and and I said, all right, now, just let's wait on the Lord and let's listen and see what he says. I sat there and they sat there. And we all sat there. <laughs> and I peeked open an eye going, I said, just, just feel free. Just go ahead and speak out if you get something. Just don't hold back. Silence. Finally, in, in my inimitable style, I said, now, I know God's here. And he was. And I said, so I went to, to the young lady right on my, on my left, and I said, what are you hearing? She says, well, I'm hearing a prayer. And I said, well, pray it. Let me hear it. And she prays this prayer. It just made you cry. It's just like, oh, it's a beautiful thing. And then I said to the fellow next to her, I said, so what are you hearing? Well, I'm hearing. And he, he had a word. What are you hearing? I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a picture. Really? Tell us your picture. We went right around the circle. Every single one of them had received a grace. They were shy and afraid to share it. But it, God had been faithful. And I learned something right then. I learned something powerful. When we worship like that, there's a grace for each one. I don't think everything has to be shared, but I do think everything needs to be heard. You and I, when we worship, we don't ever waste worship. Worship, you know, some people, for some people, all they can see in worship is, you know, do I like the music? Who cares whether you like the music? You don't come, this isn't a, a concert. This isn't about what, what style music you like. Uh, we're not dilettantes, we're worshipers. Does the worship allow you and me to press in. Because I've come to meet with him. I've come to be in the presence. I, because yes I can do this alone. Have you, how, how well do you press in alone? You can do it can't you? And it takes quite the effort. <laughs> you really have to bear down and go for it. You have to stay there often a couple hours sometimes to break through that heaviness right? But you can gather with a church, and all of a sudden, there's a refreshing and a lift that comes on you. It's not emotionalism, is it? Some people do not know the difference between an emotionalism and anointing. Emotionalism is, is in fact, it's, it's counterproductive. It actually opposes the anointing. For some people, they think, here's, here's the idea of, of anointing. Give me a J, give me an E, give me an S, you know. Yeah, Jesus, you know. And, and you, you, everybody gets, yeah. You know, and hey, that was really anointed. No, it was really adrenalized. That is not anointing. 
Now, anointing can definitely spur emotion. And there can be, but you, but you and I, listen, you and I have to be sensitive to this. Do you know the difference between his presence and emotionalism, his presence and the power of, 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 of sort of high influence from some sort of leader and stuff? Can you separate that? Can you sense he's here or he's not here? I, haven't you been in situations where everything is, is so polished and well done and all, and you think, why can't I feel him? And you've been in other things that, that's ragtag <laughs> and clumsy, and you can hardly breathe because he's so strong. You understand? That's really important. We are not just a people of a message. We are a people of a message. But we are also people of a presence. And we understand that it is in his presence that the heart opens up. It's in his presence that people suddenly understand. It's in his presence that the graces are given. So never waste worship. It is not about we sang the songs, was it pretty? The point was, it, did we enter in? For me, I always know I'm... <laughs> The Lord's moving when I'm having a conversation. When, when, when I've really almost forgotten to sing, that, 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 I, I can't remember what you're saying. You know, I've stepped away in a certain sense, and he's beginning to talk to me, or, the, or, the, or, the, or I'm deeply expressing the words. They, they're coming right out of the belly. That's worship. Now I'm, now I'm having a conversation with my present Lord, who's with me. So different than just singing and boy, that was cool and she hit the high note and that, that kind of stuff. Graces of the Spirit. Then Paul lists some of the common ways the Holy Spirit helps us. To one who lacks wisdom, he will reveal to you the wisdom you need. You will suddenly see your situation from God's perspective. To the one who lacks knowledge, the Holy Spirit will supernaturally provide information. To the one who lacks the faith to receive salvation or lay hold of a promise, he will impart faith into your heart. Suddenly, you will believe. I always, I understood this passage wrongly. Because it's always been translated, this thing will come for the common good. And so I always thought that what was happening is we'd gather and then the Spirit would give these things that you were supposed to stand up in public and say. And some of them are to be brought in, said publicly. Uh, there can be a prophecy or, a, or Paul talks about a tongue and an interpretation. Or there can be certain things that are supposed to be. But the vast majority of what goes on when the church worships properly is that this, it's given to each individual. It isn't just one person gets something to say. It's that we're all being talked to. Did you see it? And, I, and, I, and so I, I, didn't, I didn't see that. And I've, 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 I've missed this whole truth. And so when you translate and when you assume that to be true, you think the gift of faith in this case has got to be, it's, it's got to be for miracles. It can't be for salvation. No, no. Yes, it can. It's both. When we gather, there are those who are dealing with something. God gives you that faith that he can do a miracle right there. Wonderful. There's also unbelievers who gather. And how many times at the end of a service will we say, anyone here want to give your, receive the Lord Jesus? And hands are going up. Why is that? 
Why do hands go up in that situation? Because the Spirit's present. And it's giving to them the gift of faith. They may have walked in full of doubt about God, full of all sorts of stuff they'd been told. But as they sit and wasn't, well, I'll guarantee it wasn't my sermon. What was it? He's here. I can feel him. He, the Lord's real. And suddenly the eyes open up and the heart's there. And I'm going, there's a God and he's here. And he's with me. And, he, and I can feel him loving me. And they say, I, I want to belong to him. That's, that's how it happens. God's giving gifts, these graces, these sweet graces to everyone as they need it. To those who are ill, he will send his healing presence to cure different kinds of sickness. To the person who needs something changed deep in their heart. Now we're back to that energamata, the working in, within the heart. His presence will empower you or free you to respond the way you need to respond. To the person who needs to hear God speak to them, who needs to be edified, exhorted, or comforted, or even warned, God will send a prophecy either directly to that individual or through someone else in the gathering. To the one who's unable to identify the spiritual source at work in a particular situation, whether it is God or the, fl the flesh or the devil, the Holy Spirit will reveal the truth. You know, you're, you're in this situation. Is this guy lying to me? Is this true? Am I, what am I hearing? And suddenly, as you sit in that worship environment and you're gathered with the people of God, the Spirit gives you a grace and you know what's the truth. You know it just right there. To those who need to praise and give thanks to God without their own thoughts interfering, the Spirit will enable them to do so in languages they've never learned. And if the Spirit desires that praise and thanksgiving to be heard by the rest of the church, he will prompt that person to speak out so all can hear and will then provide a translation of what was said so that all can understand and be helped by it. I think one reason God made me a pastor was so I would have to go to church. Because I don't know if I would all the time otherwise. I, uh, I, by the time I was in my late teens, was beginning to have some, depress some depression, I think. This is my analysis of myself. I'm no clinic clinician. And as a time went on, I get married, and then I begin to engage life, and I'm finding myself falling short of, of whatever goals were... I was trying to have, that depression really grew. Problem was, the Lord had made me a pastor, so I had to go to, I had to, go to church. This was his mercy to me. You know the old joke, where, you know, the, the, the mom sticks her head in the door and says to her son, she says, uh, honey, it's time to go to church Sunday morning. And the son says, oh, mom, I, I don't want to go to church. She says, well, why not? She says, Give, give me three reasons. And she says, he says, well, first of all, he says that the, the people there don't like me. And he said, secondly, the preacher's boring. He said, thirdly, the services are just way too long. Mom says, well, that may be so, but you got to go. He says, why? She says, you're the pastor. <laughs> Painfully true. 
It, it, it's happened to me now for 40 some years. It varies from weekend to weekend how, how intensely. But I can remember as a youth minister thinking to myself, oh God, don't make me go. They don't like me. The sermons are boring. <laughs> and it's too long. And I'd grab my guitar and I'd grab my Bible. And sometimes I'd stick my head in the steering wheel going, oh, Lord God, oh, Lord God, you, help me. I don't want to go. And then I'd, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not really making this up. And then I would kind of creep into this and I'd look in to see if anybody was there <laughs> hoping they weren't, you know. <laughs> and I'd go, oh, they came, came, they came. So I put my guitar down. And I put my Bible beside me, and here we go, and we're going to worship the Lord. Come on, yay, God. You know, <laughs> we start worshiping God. And by George, the more we sing, the better I feel. <laughs> you know, I'm starting to praise, and the Lord shows up. And then I start teaching the word, and man, that's, that's beautiful, you know, as you see what's in the word there. And, and then the Lord's presence and power come, and by the end of this thing, I'm feeling great. That has happened over and over and over and over and over and over all my life. The presence, his presence, his enabling presence, he's with you too. Don't ever work without him. Become sensitive to this, aware of this, and count on it. You, so often we think, we, we, we're called into some sort of ministry situation, we go, oh, I, I don't want to go. They're they don't like me, and it's boring, and don't make me go, God. But if you go, if you show up, just suit up and get out on the field, he shows up, doesn't he? Yes. And then there's that sweetness to the whole thing as you watch him work. And, you, and because you know your weakness so deeply, it's all the sweeter. You know it ain't you. You know where you'd be. You'd be home in front of the TV feeling sorry for yourself or out throwing rocks in a pond. That's where you'd be. But he dragged you into this. And there he is working through you and ministering life to people. Brothers and sisters, this is our inheritance. All of us. This isn't first. This is, he gives to, say, each one. He gives himself to each one. The grace we need. When we gather. Finally, Paul concludes his description of the many different ways the Holy Spirit ministers to us. With this summary. Would you read it out loud with me? And all these things, all the graces described above. The one and same Spirit works in all of us, distributing his gifts to each one individually just as he wills. In the language that each one is there, that individually is there, you, could he say it more clearly? Could he use any words of any kind to have said more clearly that the Spirit of God gives to every single person what they need? Say yes. Thank you. That's the truth. Paul wanted the Corinthians to see. When God's people gather, the Holy Spirit comes among them and graciously reaches out to each person. 
He doesn't have favorites. It's all based on grace. He doesn't care for one and ignore another. He knows the need of each person and gives to each one just what they need. And Paul's point is this. If God sees his church like that, if he treasures each one and cares for them so tenderly, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we see the gathering of God's people as a holy assembly into which the Spirit is powerfully at work? Shouldn't we stop withholding ourselves from those who are poor or broken or come from different backgrounds? Shouldn't we love each other like God loves us? Earlier in this letter, Paul warned the Corinthians that they did not recognize the presence of Jesus in the Lord's Supper. That's in the previous chapter, chapter 11. They had divided themselves into hostile groups and had become disrespectful toward the bread and cup. Now, in this chapter, he's warning them that they didn't recognize the Lord's presence when they gathered to worship either. Many came only to receive a blessing for themselves and felt no responsibility for the spiritual well-being of others. To counter that attitude, Paul showed them what happens in the spiritual realm when God's people gather. The Spirit distributes graces to all. The Lord Jesus leads his people into the ministries to which he has called them. And the Father works powerfully within each heart to make us more like Jesus. Paul showed them all of this so that when they gathered, they would judge the body rightly. Do we? Can you see why the Lord spoke to me so strongly. I love you, Jesus, but I don't like your people. <laughs> and he just, there was nothing funny about that at all. He said, I don't want to hear that again. I love my people. It changed my thinking, and I've spent my life with the people of God. I'm not religious. I don't have a religious bone in my body. I don't. I do this because it's true. There really is a God. And I've come to reverence the gathering of God's people, whether it's three people in the front seat of a truck or whether it's gathered in an auditorium like this or under a tree. It's holy. And if we see it, and if we begin to, to open our spiritual eyes, we'll realize the power of what happens when you and I gather in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? This isn't one religion among many. You are the God of heaven and earth. You have sent your Son. And you have given freely the Holy Spirit without measure to us. Oh, Lord, we need you so much in these days. We cannot go forward without your power and presence. Teach us, every one of us, Lord. Make us absolutely unsatisfied to live in any other way than with your lovely presence. To pursue you, 
to, to depend on you, to count on you in all areas. Blessed be the Lord. Thank you, dear Holy Spirit, for your grace. We receive that. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's lifelessonspublishing.com. There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written.